I'm, I'm going to talk in a second. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Mm, 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 mm. Ah, um, are you familiar with the process messages blast door service? Oh, that was a lot of words that were stuck together, and this I'm is not my thought. sure where the nouns end and the verbs begin. Yeah, go to activity monitor and just see if you've got it. I just noticed it was it oh, to be- the process. I got it. Okay, see, that's where. Yeah, are you are you familiar with the process? Blast dormant. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, did that sound like a guided by voices song? Uh, have you have you checked out Vampire on Titus? Messages blast door service. There it is. I did not know about this, and then, as per usual, I did Google it. You probably heard about it when you when you Google oh, it. Oh, so did you, it you've heard of it. You know what it is? Yeah. Okay. It tell was, tell, was, tell, tell the listeners what it is. It's actually a really interesting idea. This was from a year or two ago, when they were trying to increase the uh, security of the messages application. Yeah, probably around the time when you could send somebody like a malformed something, mm-hmm. not even just a link, but wasn't there a thing where you could send like a certain character? sequence yeah. yeah you could just send a message and like no action was required by the other person because what all you needed to happen was that the message would attempt to be consumed and displayed by the messages application right and that would you know it would trigger a bug that would allow it to do all sorts of nasty things um so that's obviously bad and apple's reaction to that was to sort of uh use uh, something they've used on a lot of their applications which is to make the potentially dangerous thing, in this case, the receiving of a message from an untrusted party, make that happen in a process that is walled off from mm-hmm. the rest of the service, you know, sandboxing essentially, right? So these, these cross uh, XPC cross process communication, I forget what XPC stands for, but anyway, uh, you know, have this special, uh, process that has like no rights to do anything. It can't touch the file system. It can't see anything about the computer. It's, it's, kind, like it's totally kind of like when you think off. of it kind of like a DMZ, like it's not a firewall yeah. exactly, but it's somewhere where it has to be, go through the, um, like when you're passing into the chamber in, uh, in that movie, like with Amy Adams, like it's, you've got to like get cleaned off before we, you know, or, you know, or like, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, uh, the, the robot and the spoilers letting, wanting to let everybody onto the ship in alien. Yeah, and and so it's like a safe place for the bad thing to happen because then if something bad does happen there, yeah. the, the the bad thing ha- is finds itself in a prison already. It's like, well, now I'm going to do something nasty to your computer, and it, everything it tries to do doesn't work because the actual job that of the of that service, like it, it all it has to do is sort of receive the message and decode it. It's never going to be called upon to like read and write stuff to the file system or access the network or whatever. It gets handed what it needs. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Sorry, I never get to do that. All right, well, you Just know. Just one. You're, you're, you only get one. Yeah. You're free to, someone <laughs> sent in a, uh, a nice email the other day and uh, said, is someone eating cereal? Because I keep hearing like a, I, a uh, like a spoon clinking against a cereal bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they said, I, <laughs> it's I like heard somebody it. enjoying a nice big bowl of good friends while they're yeah. chatting with their pals. Yeah. And, and they, they were nice enough to say, I heard it at this timestamp, right when you mentioned the file system. And it's like, oh, so close. Yep. 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 Um, Anyway, so yeah, this message blast door service is part of that walling off of the potentially dangerous parts of the messages service into a process with no privileges. I approve. Let me see what it's doing right now, just so I know. I'm, I'm really, I'm really been, oh boy, I really screwed myself up last week. I figured out finally, as you know, I'm doing a lot with computers right now. And I really screwed myself <laughs> up last. I really, really. I feel like there should be either a bumper sticker or a t-shirt for you of some kind. On a red doing, hat. Doing a lot of stuff with computers right now. <laughs> Honey. <laughs> Could you change the baby 
I'm doing a lot of stuff with computers right now. Title. Or like, you know, you're, you cut to a cocktail party scene and then you're in the middle of a conversation with a stranger <laughs> at the cocktail party and it's just, your line is, I'm doing a lot of stuff with computers right now. Yeah, well, I, I think I, I mentioned this to you probably off air to keep my marriage alive, but I told you that my, my, my lady wife is a fierce mouser. Like it, <laughs> she's like a tomcat. Like in the morning when she comes in and she's a little bit late for the ten after meeting, and you hear this like like I can't even do it. I don't have anything that makes this much noise. She's like tuck, 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 you should get tuck, her a mouse harder T-shirt, just the words mouse, mouse harder in just the right font. Yeah, I think we need to start our uh, new line of shirts. You, you know, you need you need to find ways to start. You know, if I could say uh, diversifying your revenue stream, mm-hmm, so maybe mm-hmm. some some more shirts. Do you watch uh, Do you watch Queer Eye? Do not. Oh. Well, this latest season, Karamo, uh, who's like the, the social guy, he's the guy who makes a Facebook page for you and talks to you about your feelings. He's, he started this line of shirts, and he wears one of his shirts on every episode, right? He's one, one of the five Queer Eye guys. And, uh, and the shirts are, John, I, I may need to find these and send them to you because they are very, very funny. Um, it's basically Times New Roman with carriage returns, and that's all of his shirts, and and they usually have some kind of a you know relevant message on them. But every time I see Karamo wearing one of his shirts that he sells, I always think the same thing, which is he's probably really busy. He's probably got an assistant, and the assistant kept bugging him and bugging him. Like our deal with you know uh, t shirt Tron is gonna. You need to send in your designs. You've got to hurry. And I imagine him literally opening Word, typing a bunch of things, and then sending it. It's so fun. It's like sub Redbubble level quality. Which is, you know, not great, but you could do that. You you have a copy of uh, of, of Microsoft Word. You've got you've got Times Roman. You could make some shirts. What is it? What did I say? I'm I'm doing I'm doing a lot of things with computers right now. Well, you said stuff, but you know, oh, because I'll come we, back we to are it. recording we'll this, it. so we'll be able to determine for sure well, later. Hope to shout. I hope it's in there. Uh, right now, uh, so wow, that's a lot of CPU time, but that's okay. It's protecting me. Am I hacked? I might be hacked. Hey friends. Welcome back to Reconcilable Differences. This is one of the, um, th- this week is different from other weeks. This is one of our weeks where we have bonus content and the people who are kind enough to uh, help support uh, uh, John, John Craig Syracuse uh, through their money. Um, you get some bonus content this week. And I think I, I don't like to get over my skis about this, but I'm pretty excited about the after show uh, this week. Uh, tell people what we're going to talk about. Uh, the after show this week will be sort of a continuation of talking about the uh, topic I sprung on you last week during the regular part of the show, which was my that I easily I could have easily guessed because of content. <laughs> yeah, such, I, 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 yeah, I know. Seriously, um, yes, my my new life situation. You know, K- Casey and Marco are such small men. They're just they've had so much success in life, <laughs> and they're still so bitter. I only want to really be remembered for one thing in life. Is does that really is that so much to ask? How did that shift from from dumping on Mark Arrow and Casey to like uh, stabbing me for uh, something that's like six years old now? Oh, because it's com- it's comedic that one of the most influential people in my retinue of friends thinks that that's the one thing they should be remembered for. No, when, it's comedic is that you think you're that's comedic. What I think. You do you do that. <laughs> it's uh it's this bonus content we're going to talk i have some i have some questions for john john's going to tell us about his first week you and i've texted lightly about this but i cannot wait to hear how it's been going i'm going to just go ahead and predict uh the word i'm going to i'm going to guess it's been weird is my guess but we'll find out when we uh when we do that and john if people wanted to support your work uh where could they go to tithe you 
Well, well, te- technically, I'll get some of it too, but I get like the I get the monkey share. Is the monkey share more or less than half? Oh, the monkey share is a lot less. It's like it's it's like uh, you know, Doctor Light. You can't say Dr. things Light, like that because Doctor Light monkey people heavy. People will believe you, and then I get an angry email. It's it's not true. People, anyway, no, if you would like no, to support, no, come on. Are you are you even kidding? Everyone likes you so much more. I'm not even going to talk in the after right, show because right, I'll just right. interrupt you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if if you would like to support this program, mm-hmm. uh, which features both of us, not uh, just including, me, including the monkey, I'm taking my sleeping pill. Uh-huh. Including the monkey mm-hmm. to relay.fm/rd/join. Uh, that's how mm-hmm. you get to hear the members only after show. So there you go. And let's just remind people here at this point: you are going to get wallpapers when you do this. <laughs> you can't. It's like the U2 album. It's just, they're just going to no, appear. It's going to show up. <laughs> You have yeah. no choice. Yeah. You yeah, have to well, go to a special webpage to delete it. You've got to drive it over to Craig's house <laughs> if you don't want it. Um, no, but it is really cool that uh, me- uh, membership uh, episode time is upon us soon. And that's the time of year when all the shows on uh, Relay FM do a special one off episode. I say special because I-, I don't think, gosh, the ones I listen to, it's always something legit, a little special in the sense that in our case, we've, uh, we usually have a guest on, somebody we both really like a lot or tolerate. And, uh, and the neat thing is, as Dan, uh, which one are you? John likes to remind, (laughs) could you please, Jim, make me sound smart there. Um, as you like to mention, you not only get all of our previous episodes with many, many canceled people, but you also get all the other shows for all time. It's like organic chemistry. It's cumulative. Yeah, if you become, uh, you know, when you go to that link, you'll be supporting our show, but you also become a Blanket Relay member. And so if you want to hear the special episodes of all the other Relay uh, shows, you can also do that. Yeah. And um, again, I don't like to be sincere because I think it's a little unseemly, but uh, I'll I'll echo what John said last week because it's worth repeating. Thank you all. Uh, If you're listening, thank you. I hope you're listening, unless you're having someone do this for you and then summarize it. Um, But uh, I I really, uh, we're both very grateful uh, for for your friendship and your support. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Drafts. You can learn more about Drafts right now by visiting getdrafts.com slash RD. Now, I understand right now you're probably saying to yourself, Drafts, you mean that one Drafts, that Drafts that Merlin's always talking about, been talking about for years and years and years? Uh, Yeah, the very same, you know, uh, and um, more on that in a second, because boy, am I ever in the bag for Drafts. Big fan. But but, but let me just give you the, I'm going to give it to you in Pigs and Bunnies. Drafts is more than just another notes app. I mean, this really it's obvious from the beginning. It gives you a new approach to using your iPhone, iPad, Mac, or Apple Watch because it starts as a low friction way to capture your thoughts. And, and, and you know, a, a smart person once said drafts is where text starts. And it's really true. I'm sorry, I'm editorializing. So here's the thing. You open up drafts and it, it launches ready to type and you start typing. No more fumbling around trying to find the right app or the right folder to create a note only to find that you forgot why you were doing it at all. Well, no big. You just open drafts and you type or you dictate. Get that. You can just talk to your machine and you'll never lose that thought. I've lost so many thoughts. Once you have captured your text, the customizable editor gives you a familiar place to hone your thoughts. Comes with great markdown support, tools for arranging lines. So handy. Your choice of fonts and font sizes, uh, so many other editing options. It'll make drafts into your go-to scratch pad for everything from journals and checklists to drafting emails. They didn't tell me to say this. There's so much I want to say about drafts. You know, here's one thing with drafts. This this is something that will change the way that you work and the way that you live. Up till now, we always used to think about if we're going to communicate with somebody, we're going to send something. We think about the destination application or service 
that gets our message to usually another person. But what if you inverted that and you said, from now on, I'm just going to always start typing all of my stuff in drafts. What do you mean all my stuff? Well, yeah, I type most of my messages in drafts before I send them. I sh- hope to shout. I do my emails in drafts before I send them. Because in addition to being that handy little area for typing, you can then send that text anywhere you want it to go. We don't have time for this. We would need a whole separate podcast just to talk about everything you can do with drafts. But you got to open it up. you got to give it a try. These actions are just out of control. Actions and action sets. It's just, it's bananas. Whenever you're ready to do something with what you just typed, no problem. Drafts, powerful actions are there for you. You can send emails, messages, and tweets, like I said. You can even create lists and reminders. It's relatively boundless. I, they didn't, again, they did not tell me to say this, but it's basically like its own platform. And yet, it's the simplest and easiest app you've ever used. Drafts integrates with hundreds of popular apps and services, making it easy to fit into any workflow, especially when you can make the most of their ready-to-use actions from the amazing drafts directory, or you can go build your own. The possibilities are literally endless. Drafts is always free to use, so download it today. You can try it in your dock for a week, and you might just find you can't live without it, much like me. If you want more, you can unlock the power of themes, workspaces, custom actions, and more with Drafts Pro. April 2022, right now, it's the 10th anniversary of Drafts' original release in the App Store. Isn't that wild? I think that makes it technically a fifth grader, but I'm not sure. And to celebrate, they're offering uh, new users a full year of Drafts Pro for a fraction of the normal cost. Please go learn about this. Right now, you go to getdrafts.com slash rd. That's getdrafts.com slash rd. I I don't do this very often because uh, you end up having uh, issues with uh, omission, but this is one of the greatest apps I've ever used in my life. They did not pay me to say that. You, you, you can pay me to say things, but you can't pay me to love it. That's what Marco Arment says. And I love drafts so much. Thank you to Greg. Thank you to Agile Tortoise. Frankly, I'm humbled and embarrassed to even be accepting a nickel from them because drafts has already given me so much. I'm going to stop talking now. And we're going to get back to the program. But you know... Thank you to Drafts for supporting Reconcilable Differences, Relay FM, and for helping Daddy for all of these long 10 years. Bless your hearts. Enough of this wallowing in hypocrisy. We have follow-up. We do. <laughs> we should start with follow-up on the, the uh, secret mystery main topic from last episode. Uh, but not in the way that you might think, because we're going to talk about that. It's a very, this is about... very John Syracuse way to follow up his giant news last week that he has mm-hmm. left his career of 25 years to do whatever it's going to be next. And mm-hmm. so, of course, on the heels of that, talking about this on your popular show, um, w- what is the thing that you would like to uh, follow up about uh, on that, John? Well, part of the, you know, you get a lot of follow up from people, you know, telling you, uh, corrections, let's say, for things that you said on the show. And one of the things I got a bunch of corrections of all here, I got, I got one thing, corrections from people, and then one thing I got corrections from myself. So there were two sayings that I said I had in mind when thinking about my working life on the past episode. One was get while the getting's good, and the other one was burning the candle at both ends, right? Yes. And, and I explained on the show uh, what those sayings meant to me and how they affected my decision making. So that all stands, right? But independent of that discussion, of, you know, if you, you listen to that and you could understand, uh, if you listen, you're like, okay, I, I see I see what you were thinking and feeling at that point, and I see what you mean by that, right? But if you happen to know or think you know what those sayings really mean Ooh. and not 
how I interpreted them, mm -hmm. you may be inclined to send a correction and say, hey, I know you said that you were thinking of X when you had the saying in your mind, but really the saying means Y. So the first one, I it's think- like, I It's did... like the time when I was 14 and somebody said to me um, in a group setting, where would you like to go for dinner? I say, it doesn't matter to me, I'm expendable. Because that sounds like flexible. And when I was 14, I, I knew that word from a mm. Bugs Bunny cartoon. And I use the word expendable and, you know, we're, we're pretty rural people. People, So is there, are, there, are the guests that we were with that laughed that I just described myself as uh, 14 and expendable? Yep. It sounds the same. It's like, you know, it's like words that sound like other words. So close. Mm. Um, yeah. So the first one I looked <laughs> up myself. Yeah. The first one I looked, I looked <laughs> up after the show because I had a suspicion that I may have gotten it. This is the thing. I mean, you can be familiar with this if you've ever written anything, um, especially if you've written anything online. Um, so let's say you're writing like a blog post or something in, in the modern parlance and you write it and you read it over and you revise it and you write it and you read it over and you revise it. And you, you make multiple passes and, you, and then finally you do an official spell check and you're like, OK, good. I'm all set here. Right. And you're like, let me just give it one last read through and you read through it one more time. You're like, OK, good. And you hit publish. Right. Very often after you had published, you will go to the place where you published it in your web browser and see it in the official place. Yep. And you'll pull it up in the official place and maybe you'll start to read through it and you will find typos. And you're like, why didn't I find them on the past hour, two hours, five days, week, month, however long I've worked on this? Why can I only find the typos the second it's published? Right. Right. And it doesn't seem to make any sense. It's, but it's, to it's totally real. Yeah, it's because you're just in a different mindset, that mm -hmm. mindset being, I suppose, a little bit of panic. Uh, I think you could say that you're in a writing mode rather than a reading mode. When you're in a strictly reading mode, that sounds dumb because they're very inter interchanged. I'm sorry I interrupted you, John. But the but that that's the kind of thing where like it isn't until you see it. In my case, that's why I look at everything in Marked before I copy it out and paste it somewhere because it really does make a difference, but you'll still never catch them all. Yeah, I mean, there are all sorts of tricks of like, you know, use it in a different font because that'll change the margins because very often when the word is at the end of a line, your brain will just skip it and assume it's there or not there or is mm -hmm. the right word or isn't the right word. So you change the font, change the wrapping, print it out and look at it. Like those are all the tricks that you can do before you publish. But still, even if you do all of those things, knowing in your head that other people, potentially hundreds or thousands of other people may also be looking at this now. It's not just you looking at the thing that you're writing, knowing that other people might be looking at it clicks on that, you know, animal instinct in your brain and then you really find the typos right so the, in podcasting <laughs> if i record a podcast and then it gets published and i'm listening to the published episode that part of my brain is active as saying you're listening to what you know to what you said and other people can hear this too like anybody it also, it can also, hear this it also helps or hurts i guess that it's been 10 days usually since you recorded it. And like, you can really hear it fresh in a way that you wouldn't hear it if you were listening while you were editing. Yeah. And so my slightly more advanced version of that is after I finish recording the episode, but before other people can hear it, I know that eventually other people will hear it. And my control over that episode is gone because I recorded it and hand off the audio file to our editor. And I really don't have any say in, you know, what goes in. So as soon as I'm done recording, a miniature version of that part kicks in and says, hey, you just recorded something. And in X number of days, anybody's going to be able to hear that. So now would be a good time for you to think about if you said anything stupid <laughs> on that show. And that <laughs> part of my brain said, you know what? You should probably Google the phrase get while the getting's good. And so I did Google that phrase. Do you want to clarify uh, what you thought it meant and how you used it first? I, I mean, I think if you listen to the episode, I was very clear about what I thought it meant. 
And it's really close to what it apparently means. So it's not that far off. But to, to recap, it was in my mind was the, the version in my mind was basically like, while you are young and healthy and have lots of energy, you should make as much money as you can, because someday you will not be young and healthy and energetic. And so get while the oh, getting is good. The getting in this case is money and experience. Yeah, like do, you're getting, do you're the, getting you know, experience while while you have the most capacity to do lots of work. That's the time for you to really, you know, bear down and do lots of work. Get while the getting's good. Mm-hmm. What it actually means <laughs> is to read. <laughs> from, was it what I said? To read from the Google and to cease end or give up doing something before it becomes too difficult or the consequences become too severe. Uh-huh. It's very close because what it's basically saying is. Mm-hmm. Keep doing a thing, but stop before it, you know, the consequences, it becomes too difficult, right? So it is kind of the inverse, but it's still the same idea of like. This is why I said uh, it's know, like Poland in 1939. Exactly. Like do everything that you can do while you can do it, because eventually it will become too difficult and you should, and the, and the get, I mean, it's like when you, you know, get out of there, whatever mean, you're going to get. I think you mean get. There you go. Get while the right. getting's good. Right. Yeah. So we should get out of here before we're not able to get out of here because we've been in here doing the thing and pretty soon it's going to become very difficult or there will be severe consequences. So we should get out of here. So slightly different. But either way, for the purposes of the story, it only matters what I thought about it because I'm just relaying what my thinking was. But yes. just to be pedantic, even though no one sent me this correction, I'm pretty sure I well, mm. did. No one sent I'm pretty Actually, sure this was just me. Pedantic. Yeah. Yeah. Pedants, they call them. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's a joke people please uh, so there's one all right the You'll second never protect one, yourself don't even yeah. try don't even put your hands up just let them hit you no uh mm. the second one was burning the candle at both ends uh which i described as like you know the feeling that you are overworking yourself you're doing too much and you're you're really you know it's it's the it's the negative side of get while well, the getting's good my version um where you're doing all this work when you have the capacity, but you do realize that you are really burning the candle at both ends. So it will not last as long. And, you know, it's, it's. You were also using in the context, I, I thought cleverly, of you've lost your candle handle. You don't have anywhere to hold the candle if it's burning from both ends. I, I was thinking more of like the, 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 yeah, that's true. But also that like that you're burning more of the, the, the candle, you're burning the candle faster. Like the candle's going to run out and it runs yes. out faster if you're burning it on both ends. Um, and a couple of people sent in corrections of like, you know, that saying, what that saying actually means is that you'd be burning the candle at both ends of the day. So you'd burn the candle early in the morning and you'd burn the candle at night. What? I've never heard that. Yeah. So if you do some Googling for this, what you will find, I mean, you'll, you'll obviously find like the meaning of like, you know, here's reading from a page to, to exhaust someone's energies or resources by leading a hectic life to engage in activity, usually work related from early in the morning till late at night, so on and so forth. You will eventually also find some things that mention the burning the candle in the morning and in the evening. You will even find a couple of web pages that say a lot of people think this means burning the candle in the morning and the evening, but actually what it means is literally burning the candle at both ends and not the morning and the evening interpretation. So it's one of those sayings that you will find every possible mm-hmm. version of it on the internet. You'll find things that say, I know you would have found a thing that says X, but it's really Y. And then you'll find another page that says, I know you found a thing that says Y, but it's really X. Turns out. So it's, so it's difficult to nail down. But either way, as in the previous case, all that matters is what I meant when I was saying it. And I think in that case, like the origins of the phrase, like, oh, it was about doing things in the morning and the evening versus a literal candle with two ends that are burning so that the wax will run out faster. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter. But I thought I would bring it up just because it was mm-hmm. funny that 
the two like important sort of touchstone sayings in my mind that were sort of talismans for the feelings I was feeling, both were potentially subtly uh, inaccurate in the larger sense, but it doesn't really matter because all that matters is what I thought they meant when I was thinking them and my ability to convey to you what I thought I meant when I was thinking them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's, it's something I go over with, with um, let's just say certain people in my life who, who like to dive in on a correction that's utterly irrelevant to the anecdote that I'm telling, which is, you know, um, I, if, and you know, as a fan of, oh, what's the one you're always standing for? The one, the definitions change that not prescriptive, but descriptivist. Yeah, but the one where, like, we're getting mellow about literally because we have to be, and that means uh, yeah, language so changes. That's, that's descriptivist, right? I, I never remember which it is, and you can do it for follow-up next time. Copyright. Copyright feature of John Syracuse in 2011. But here's the rule of thumb. Here's the rule of thumb. If you knew what the person meant, and it's clear from context what they meant, you probably don't need to correct them. Um, and if you think it's unclear what they were saying, you can ask for a clarification. I, I, I don't think that's bad at all. I completely understood, maybe because I'm simple. I still think you're wrong about second order, uh, you know, consequences and results. I still think you're wrong about that. <laughs> because you, because as usual, you have latched onto your misunderstanding and have long since forgotten the original. Well, that's, that's so interesting because really, as usual, you, you're still not really listening to what I'm saying. The, I am. Um, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about with second order effects. You don't. You don't. The first order is you got fired. The second order is something happened because you got I fired. I understand that. Yes, I understand. You do. Under, you understand that. I understand that. and agree with that. I uh, have this project I'm working on, you know, where I write things. And, it, and it's, um, it's turning into a thing where, like, it seems like sometimes on Fridays, for some reason, on Friday afternoon, usually, like, I'll, I'll write a little bit for the Wisdom Project. And I will make no secret of the fact that it is so much fun to be able to post that. I got my shake and bake little drafts you know, file with the owl and it says, Hey, wisdom project updates. And, and one thing I try to do is I, I, as, as silly as this project may be to some people, it's really fun to me. It's really important to me. And I really, really sweat over, and you can't always tell because it is all still just a living first draft lets me off the hook, but I try really hard to have it be correct and to use the word that I meant to say and have unambiguous punctuation and, you know, all the kinds of stuff that drives me crazy and crappy headlines. I don't want any of that to emerge in my little paragraph by paragraph thing that I'm writing. So, but there's one thing that's so fun, I have to admit, it takes me back to the days of blogging, is that when I've written the part that I'm happy with, I've looked it over, I've checked it, I've done all the things, I've normalized all the ways, mostly the things are capitalized and it looks. So then I go in and I, and I, I cut it up into, so I got the final version that's going to go up on GitHub, but then I've got a version where I add some extra carriage returns, makes it easier to do a screen grab. And so I'll go in and I do three or sometimes four screen grabs and it feels so good because now when I post this, I figure it, you know, people can, people don't need to ever visit the project to hopefully potentially enjoy the thing that I just wrote. And I post those as screen grabs right out of marked and with a link to the, to the overall project. This is just to say there has not been a single time that I've done that. No matter how long I spend on trying to get that stuff right, every single time after it's posted, after it's posted, that's when I see the incredibly boneheaded, dumb mistake that I made. I'm just, I agree with you. I don't think you can catch them all. And I think there's something, there's a reason in, in Mars edit, I actually ripped the entire wrapper for my webpage 
you know, left a hole in the middle so they could actually see what it would look like down to column width once it was on the website. And it was the only, it was my only, well, not my only, one of my admittedly ineffective uh, bulwarks against madness. Um, and then the last thing is uh, when I was a kid, I heard something that as a fact, and you're going to have to fact check this. Do you know what, I mean, excluding, as they say, the equivalent of small words, do you know the line that appears, the line of dialogue that appears in the most movies, at least up to the point that I'd heard this factoid? You know what it is? I think I've heard you say it before, but I've since forgotten. Let's get out of here. There you go. And now once you hear it, you, you'll notice how many media have the phrase, let's get out of here. Now, I, I think if be, let's get out of here would probably be better usage. Mm-hmm. Get. There's probably a word for that kind of phrase where uh, people are going to be doing thing, think, something on a movie screen and it won't be entirely clear, especially if you're based on your set and budget limitations what the goal of the the people is because mm-hmm. people moving across the frame are moving from where they are to a different doorway in a different direction. Lots of things could be happening there, right? But if they prefix it by saying, let's get out of here, you're like, well, wherever it is that it shows them going to, I know that their goal is to leave where they are. They're uh, trying to retreat, to run away. Whereas for all you know, they could be like, let's attack. And then they cut to them running through an archway, right? Well, mm-hmm. because they just said, let's get out of here, you know that archway is leading away from danger yes. or whatever the thing is right and so it's, I kind, probably, it's kind of like a preemptive as you know bob as, as you will know soon bob yeah, the, let's get out of probably here. a word for that type of phrase where it's like because that's difficult to show in action unless people have a really thorough understanding of the geography just showing people like <laughs> rather than you know show don't tell why don't you just show them getting out of there but you, that requires the audience to understand that wherever you see the characters moving to that is away from danger out of the thing or whatever and not towards not further in or whatever yeah, T- Tony Zhao, the 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 guy Shu. How do you know how to say his name? I do not know how to pronounce his name. Of the of the late lamented, still fantastic, probably my favorite YouTube channel of all time. Perhaps every frame of painting. I, I still rewatch so many of those videos. It's interesting when he when he talks about you know physical comp. My favorite my favorite episode, of course, is my two favorites are Fincher and the CG. You didn't realize was there, idiot but also the one on how to do um, comedy like Edgar Wright or like what it is that makes Edgar Wright his mm-hmm. use of like, especially visual comedy. I'll put it in notes. It's a terrific episode, but in the way he talks about like, you know, like respecting the distance of like left to right for this. And he's always looking this way or looking that way. You know what I mean? I, I think that stuff is so interesting. I remember when I very, I don't remember, but I am aware of the time when I first learned about, I think it's called the 180 degree rule. And it's like, it isn't until you watch something like, say, A Fateful Findings that you realize how much movie uh, vocabulary, for lack of a better word, you've internalized until you see somebody that's breaking sightline or 180 degree rule. And I, I I think there's a lot of things like that. And, you know, as with fight scenes where it helps to be able to see what's happening, know where everybody is, as I said recently on another show, I think, where Jackie Chan got the ladder from, all that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe sometimes it, it helps. You know what? When we're done tonight, I'm going to announce that uh, so I'm going to say, let's get out of here. That'll be, your, that'll, that'll be your cue. You could have just kept that to yourself and surprised me with it, but now I know it's coming. Hmm. Should I mix yeah. it up a little bit? Should it, I shake it up? I uh, one Every frame of painting that I, I hope the effect it would have on you is that he does an episode um, that touches on an anime movie that I think eh, 
I'm not sure that you will like it, but because there's an every frame of painting that talks about it, it may motivate it you to the, watch it. The, the short one, centimeters one. No, uh, he does one uh, with he talks about tracking shots. Do you remember that episode? Talk about different uses of tracking shots. I'm sure, I've seen it, but remind me what the it's, movie is. Uh, the movie is Wolf Children. It's probably. Oh, I still haven't seen that. Yeah, it's a little it's a little bit obscure and weird, and it's not my favorite no, thing in the world. No, it's on Plex. I just haven't watched it yet. But it does have some interesting. I mean, it's got that tracking shot, and it does have some interesting aspects to it, and it's kind of. Uh, I mean, you've seen I've I've made you watch lots of like animated movies that are different than animated movies than you've seen just in terms of both Hope subject to matter. Shout, and how, buddy. And, I, I'll and, tell you, if, if all my understanding in the world of anime came out of the Miyazaki movies I've seen and then the things you've recommended, uh, uh, it would be a pretty damn far mm-hmm. it would be far off the mark of the stuff that's on Netflix. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, and, it, and it's it's very, you know, in the same way that the only movies you had ever seen had all been like A24 type, you know, arty <laughs> type of movies. And, and then yes. you saw like a Marvel movie and be like, this isn't like movies at all. What is this? It's like, well, or okay, like, well, yeah, movies- or like you watch this Christopher Nolan movie that really feels like a trailer for the movie, a two hour trailer for the movie you're watching. Uh, well, you know, I'll try to surprise you. I, I want to keep it lively. Now, are you sure you want to talk about this next thing? Is this this is going to be you're not going to get bogged down in this, are you? No, I'm not going to get bogged down. Are you going to get bogged down? You, I get bogged down. You're bogged. Stow, stow it. Stow. Uh, somebody, um, I believe, I want to say on the internet, recommended or pointed me to when I was talking about. Okay, so, hello. Uh, I was talking. <laughs> Look at you rebooting stories like Alex. Cox. I love. Well, I'm not telling it in bullets like you. I'm not a monster. But my, the um, my but bullets the, are strong. Your bullets are not strong. Your bullets are. Uh, your kung fu is no good. <laughs> no, I watched some of Cowboy Bebop. I started watching that TV show, and then I thought this looks interesting, so I went the and watched live the live action one. Yeah, but that made me want to go watch the cartoon, and yeah, I thought well, it looked really like, good. It's very stylish. A, cartoon is a lot better. Cartoon is a lot better. When we were in Japan town last week for Jubilee, uh, buying uh, what's who's the girl with the eye patch? Acura. Anyway, we we bought some dolls, <laughs> and uh, I think her name's Acura, and yes. uh, she's very <laughs> slender and has a lot of articulation. Mm-hmm. But like um, Spider Man. My Spider-Man, I'll, I'll send you a photo. My Spider-Man right now, he's hitting on, um, he's hitting on the Sentinel. He's got his hand on his shoulder and he's doing the hey from Spider-Man mm-hmm. with him. You get it? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and so I was talking about what am I to do if I've got something in Tilda documents from my repositories and like what if stuff inside my repositories needs to live somewhere else in my Mac system in particular? And I was it you or I think it was a listener who suggested I look at something called Stowe. Wasn't me. It was multiple listeners, I think. Okay. Well, uh, John, what is Stowe? Uh, last week, by the way, I, I I played the moment last week. Not not the Billy Piper character. I played the moment last week uh, for my wife, both from ATP and this, and uh, uh, she found it delightful. But it was me immediately preceded. <laughs> By us talking about about stow and stow it, and um, I don't have a point here, John. What is? Oh yeah, I said to you stow real quick. Is this something I should use wire in? And you said mm, maybe. I was like, oh, I love this guy. I'm so glad he doesn't have to work for people anymore. John, what is stow, and, and what place might it find in a person's life? Yeah. So the problem you had was you wanted to maybe manage a bunch of files using Git or something similar, but they were all over the place. Like the files had to be in special yeah, places for them to be, work. Now I want them to live in this repository, but an obvious example is my task paper dot less files. I'd, I'd love for a way to like have those live in the repo permanently over here, but then also have some way to automate moving those to the um, application library, you know, when they're done. 
Yep. Which so, I figured I could do with Hazel, but this stuff sounds cool. So GNU Stow, which I had never heard of, is a tiny little program that does basically that. It's like a little config language and you write a config file for your Stow thing. And it says, hey, I've got a bunch of files and the files that are here belong there and the files that are here belong there. It's like you just make a mapping of like, I'm going to put all my stuff in a place and I'm going to give you a little config file that says where all that uh, stuff is supposed to you go. You probably enter two paths in the uh Yeah, thing. and then yeah. you run the Stow command and it will take your stuff and read that mapping and put everything where it's supposed to be. And I could drop that into Lingen or similar. Right. And so that like it's automating a thing that you could do yourself, because if you know where everything's supposed to go, you could just write a shell script and put everything where it's supposed to go. But it's like, well, if you had to do a lot of that, it's tedious. It would be cool if there was a little program that did it for you. And the reason I said maybe is like, OK, that'll do the job that you want. But here's the thing about, you know, packages like Stow. You could do it yourself or you could use this tool to do it. But once you use this tool, now it's one more thing for you to learn. Now you can learn the Stow tool. Now you can learn about the config language for the Stow config. And then where do you put, how do you can do the Stow That's config? Fair. Totally fair. And, like, and so like using a tool, like there's a payoff for it. Oh, I don't have to do worry about these details, but there's also a cost. Now I have to learn this new tool. And I feel like Stow for your use case, it's really close to the borderline of like dealing with and learning this tool mm-hmm. is... Uh, too much of a con for the pro of what this tool does in, this in, 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 in life hack terms it would be that thing where you know they say a geek would rather automate something for an hour than spend an hour doing it or however the, the phrase goes i'm sorry i'm speaking in yeah, yeah like i mean i Same feel like, here, like this might be outweighed by what it what i could do with an alias or an ln and drag uh, exactly and then it is you know like for for your simple case and then there's another link that somebody else gave this is a web page for 2016 that says how to manage your dot files with git and I already, on, the, on our past show, I described like how you can make sort of a sparse Git re- repository with a Git ignore file or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that episode, I had like many disclaimers that I'm not a Git expert. And this uh, page here explains how you can use just some features that are part of Git. Now, this is stuff like, I'm sorry, just thing. so I know, because I'm real dumb. This is stuff like your dot .profile, your dot .bash RFC or whatever. Like you could put these on Git and sort of check those out to whatever box you're on? Is that the idea? Right. So the tricky part of having like, oh, my whole home directory is a Git repo. And then you have to use like a Git ignore to say, but yeah, but I only care about like these five files and they're sure. in these weird locations. You have to carefully ignore everything else. And that's kind of a pain or whatever. Well, apparently Git has a built-in feature where what you can do is have a Git repo that you can put anywhere and just say, okay, and buried in this directory somewhere, there's this little sparse tree of files where the only files that would be there <laughs> would be the files that you care about buried in their weird little directories but of course it's not the real weird directories because it's you know it's off to the side and you this repo right mm-hmm. but then using git commands what you can do apparently is tell git to sort of take those files from that repo and sort of check them out into your home directory mm. even though the repo itself is elsewhere so anyway this you can look at the S- similar idea backwards where you would say from the so I'm, I'm just thinking about the arguments in a path or whatever you would call it in, you know, the terminal, where you would say, like, stuff that lives at this repository, grab those, and does, is this, I haven't read this yet. Does it compare to what's in there? Or just oh, no, overwrite? It, it, it's kind of, Stowe allows you to have arbitrary, like, this collection of files goes here, this collection of files goes there, mm-hmm. right? This is just basically saying, have a Git repo that just has your dot files at their real path, and all it's changing is the root. It's like, it's like okay, okay, Git, I want you to check out those files, hmm. except for the root directory, don't use the root of the repo. Use my home directory as the root. Okay. You, anyway, you you can look, and, and yeah. I feel like that that is you know you don't have to learn a new tool. You've already got Git. It's like one or two aliases that you'd have to create or, or whatever. Um, and that doesn't require you to have Stow on your system. 
mm-hmm. and make sure Stow is kept up to date. And what if you're on a system without Stow? Because Git comes with the Mac. It's always there, so on and so forth. So these are a bunch of solutions. We'll have the links in the show notes. I'm not sure if any of these solutions are useful to you, but it's two different ways to solve this problem. Well, I mean, in fairness, I'm doing a lot of stuff with computers right now, so I should probably look. Now, what's Casey's, what's the thing Casey, the brew thing that Casey uses for moving his settings for stuff? Does, did he make or use, he was talking somewhere about what yeah, he uses. Yeah, I think uses. it's just more like a, a list of instructions to a package manager to say, hey, when I set up a new oh, Mac, okay. uh, I tell my, my package, package manager to yeah. install these 17 things. And I mean, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, well, um, thank you. And uh, gosh, I didn't credit whoever sent that. I apologize. Um, but thank you to everyone who listens. <laughs> this episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Sourcegraph. You can learn more about Sourcegraph right now by visiting about.sourcegraph.com. These days, every company needs to be a tech company because there is just so much code to deal with. It's hard to have any kind of online presence or digital service without copious amounts of code. And code affects everyone. It's the foundation of the technology that we use every day. But handling big code bases can be tricky, especially when you think about the volume and variety of code. So thankfully, Sourcegraph is here to solve all your company's code-related headaches. They are tackling big code. More than ever, Companies need resources to increase developer velocity to give people what they need to be agile, innovative, and productive. And with Sourcegraph, developers can find and fix security vulnerabilities, stay on top of tech debt, onboard developers faster, and so much more. Sourcegraph is the future of how companies are built, and it's powering the infrastructure of today's most successful high-growth businesses, including three out of five of the top tech companies. Wow. Sourcegraph's current customers include PayPal, Uber, Plaid, Reddit, Atlassian, and so many more. And we hope you go learn more about this. You go and you visit about.sourcegraph.com. You can learn more about this. About.sourcegraph.com. Please check them out to find out why some of the biggest tech companies in the world use Sourcegraph and to see what it can do for your company. Our thanks to Sourcegraph for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Hello, everyone. We're going to do some Minai topics, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were talking about how did this come up? I was talking yeah, with Alex. Like, yeah. yeah. There you go. Tell me, because I'm my memory of it is already fading. Um. Well, Alex, my friend Alex that I do the Dubai Friday program with, uh, who I think is a listener. Uh, hello, Alex. And we were talking about, um, you know, just the, you know, growing up Christian stuff and, uh, and how, you know, they were very, very heavily Catholic, like balls deep in Catholicism. Um, I was as deep as genitals allow in non-denominational Protestant Christianity. But I was just talking about how wild it was to me as a little kid that every church I went to, apart the one to the, the one that my girlfriend went to, which was Catholic, <laughs> um, the 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 portrayal of uh, the, the, the symbol of the religion for all of the Protestant things I know uh, is a, a cross. It's, you know, uh, a perpendicular, right? It's T-H-E cross with no man on it. And how freaked out I was by Catholic iconography as a kid, um, you know? And, and, and uh, I think I blew their mind a little bit because I was like, well, you know why our cross doesn't have a Jesus? Because he's risen. 
And, and anyway, we're just talking about Jesus stuff. And it comes up. I mentioned on the show, it comes up. It comes up in Slaughterhouse-Five. It comes up heavily in um, Peter Schaeffer's wonderful play, Equus. Like, it's just strange, though. You're, you have, um, if I could say, I believe you're from a Catholic background. Did you have a man on your sticks? It, well, you're, that's, that's what the story is about here. But your discussion made me think of uh, a couple of things. One of them is the uh, 1970s uh, movie Carrie. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Sure do. It, that uh, Sissy Spacek is in her little punishment closet, and there is like a, oh, a crucifix right. in there with yeah. a super creepy looking, uh, you know, uh, Jesus on a cross. It's and like it's like it's like uh, Sissy Spacek's chokey. Yeah, and that's yeah. like you, you describing like what it was weird. You go into this Catholic church and you see that like the thing they do use in that movie. It's obviously, it's trying to be intentionally creepy. It's not mm-hmm. too far off from real things that are in real churches, though. Um, and it made me think of this story from when I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> we, at the time, you know, I was, yes, I grew up Catholic, uh, and my parents, uh, made us all go to church every single Sunday for my whole life. Um, so super duper Catholic, um, plus also holy is an obligation. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I did all the sacraments, did all the things. Um, and at the time we belonged to a church that was near where we lived and what they had over the, like, uh, you know, over the altar in the church, mm-hmm. uh, like sort of suspended on wires from the ceiling, was a big statue of the risen Christ. He was like, had his arms out. There's no cross here. It's just, he's just floating with the robe. Oh, like an exultant, and, happy post-Sunday Jesus. Yeah, like, it, like mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's got his arms out. He's floating in the air. He's got robes on. He's got the beard. He's just, it was just like a big monochrome statue of like, you know, he's risen, right? Yeah. yeah very, very sort of levitated, right? And that was there for many, many years. Uh, and then at some point, some, and, my, and my mother was very involved in the church, right? At mm-hmm. some point, someone in the church wanted to get rid of that and replace it with, you can guess. Oh, no. Christ on a cross. Just the guy with the hole in his side and nails through the, the hands and the feet and the th- crown thorns. of thorns, mm-hmm. like the whole nine yards. And mm. there was a big debate that uh, I don't know how big it was because I just got to hear from it from my parents. But like the per- I'm just going to guess, John, I wasn't there. This is Long Island in a different time. But my guess would be that so- the person who wants to get the gruesome Jesus, a grant for gruesome Jesus, is probably going to be pretty vocal. There are going to be people who go, "Ooh, I don't love that," but like that person's probably going to like wear some people down with their crazy, gruesome Jesus arguments because because it shows all the sin and guilt, right? Look, yeah, look, I mean, look, look, a, look so, what he made him do. Look at him. Like, there's the Catholic guilt thing, which is a cliche, but you know, in the if you were to ask someone in the Catholic Church, they would tell you that what you're supposed to do is feel his sacrifice, what he you know what he has done right. for all of us. Oh yeah, because it all started in the context of what are you are you doing anything for Lent? That's how that comes, yeah, right? Yeah, Isn't yeah. that how the conversation started? I think so. Yes, you were you were talking you about to, Lent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's horrible. They would, they would say Ugh. it's not about being gruesome or whatever. It's you have to. That's why they have so many. Like I don't know if you have you ever seen Stations of the Cross at a Catholic church. I have. It's usually around the ones that I've been to. Now I've been to more Catholic. So so like I say, I had gone to one Catholic um, mass ever. And as somebody who's from like, you know, casserole Protestantism, it just seems so long and so weird and so Byzantine. But no, but I get it. I get why people like it. I get why Anne Lamont was attracted to that when she was a drunk. Like I totally get that. It's very, it's very visceral. And not just all the, the iconography, but yeah, my sense is Stations of the Cross, and I don't exactly know what it's for, but they're like plaques usually around like the perimeter of the sanctuary. 
Is that right? Mm-hmm. Is it, I mean, I'm no, I'm, I'm they, telling they, the they, truth. Is that, is that what like usually they, is? They reenact like the, uh, the, you know, Jesus carrying the cross to his crucifixion, being nailed to it and dying, right? Mm-hmm. At each station, there's different different things, you know. Do you, and, and you go, do you go and pray a specific prayer there? Well, in they, a certain I mean, order? they will. What they will essentially do is act it out as someone reads, "Jesus falls for the second time," or whatever. And so, like, they mm. they, they, they in, Peter and the cock crowing. Yeah, I'll, no, that's that's before this. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think is that part of Stations Cross. I don't remember. It's, oh, it's Gethsemane. So, I think it's Gethsemane. It, it's I think that's before so he gets so he gets fingered by yeah. uh, by Peter. But, yeah. So the thing they would do is they would act it out, and of course they would want to act it out in the most dramatic way. Like you can imagine, like a youth group wanting to act it out. So <laughs> no, they, they would have like you know the part where he's getting the the spikes hammered through, right? Yeah. That you've got there's going to be like some kid, some teenager with a mallet, and he's going to you know, this and then someone's going to be someone's going to be playing me? Jesus, and they're going to be banging the mallet. And each time the mallet goes down, someone you, from wait, like wait, the wait, wait, one of the young parishioners is playing the Lord. Yeah, no, they, people they act this out fully and and like with sound play. effects, pa- like when he's called passion play. Yeah, when the yeah. mallet comes down, someone oh, in the geez. band will bang on like a percussion oh, instrument in time God. with the thing, so it, so echoes over the loudspeaker. So bang, cringy! Bang. Oh my and the, God. And the, the the person playing Jesus will moan and will say all the lines from the Bible mm. that he has to say. And Why hast like, thou not, forsaken me? Yeah. There's yeah, it's not blood spattering anywhere, but there might as well be, especially if you're a little kid. It's very dramatic and very long, and mm-hmm. just just really trying to hammer home, boy, how horrible must it be to be crucified? And this is what Jesus did for you, for your sins. Very visceral in that way. So in that context, the group arguing for, we're going to get rid of the risen Christ and we're going to replace it with a crucifix is not just one angry person, but is in fact the majority. And they are on sort of the right side of the doctrine of the church. And so what happened at our church Mm -hmm. was risen Christ went away. We got Christ on a cross. Just like every other Catholic church, gruesome, rib showing, you know, just like I know, like like and, super super gaunt and like overly highlighted and shadowed. Yep, I can uh, see it. And, I can totally and see it. The, and I have to say, I mostly agree with my mother that it was a downgrade in what we were looking at each <laughs> Sunday because the the risen Christ was a more fun thing to look at. Eventually, we sorry go. We moved to another parish. I think we we got a different house that was across the highway, and we moved to a different parish. And that parish that parish had the the youth group and a huge youth group and the the amazing Christmas pageants they would put on and the stations of the cross. And it was just, <laughs> it was I honestly, yeah. you know that um, the the documentary about like uh, Action Park, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there's a couple of those Class things Action like Park, that. Yeah, there should be one of those about the youth group. At my childhood. Were they, live? Were they very lively? Because now I'm thinking of Mitchell and Webb, and you know that ongoing series, The Bad, The Waiter, The Vicar. You know, well, where's that? Where's the Australian woman? You know, uh, with the with the Christmas sweaters, like they're gone, they're all gone, and we're back. <laughs> I mean, it you was, know, like, but do you think it was partly a backlash to Vatican II? Like, could it oh, be a hangover the, the, to the Vatican Christ II? Christ on the Cross thing. I, I think it was just a realignment with orthodoxy, like the. Hmm. The fact that a risen Christ was ever there was incorrect for that a Catholic seems church. Wild to I mean, I don't know F all about Catholicism. Um, I mean, I know about the theses on the door, but like, you know, I I don't have any context for that. But here's the thing, and this is why I've stopped arguing about baseball with people like John Gruber, because baseball is about family. Baseball is about memories. It might as well be like a Douglas Lake off, don't think of an elephant thing where everything's a family. You know, when you when you argue about the New York Yankees, you're really arguing about somebody. Or in the case of like the time that that my father-in-law and my sister-in-law were at a Red Sox game, 
some very famous game, and I want to say 1987, when it might have been Carl Yastrzemski, but somebody hit a massive home run right when he had left his seat to go protect her honor to someone against someone who had like come on to her near the bathroom. And he never, he didn't get to see that very, very, very famous shot. That's family. So if I make fun of the Red Sox, I'm making fun of, you know, Grandpa Steinus. I don't want to do that. I think Catholicism, I mean, I think I'm really not trying to be reductive because I, I don't hate religion. I don't hate the God stuff. It's that, you know, I think we are attracted. I mean, it's not weird, I hope, for me to say, I really loved singing in church. Like, if you don't like singing in church, you're not hooked up right. It's really, really fun. Um, you know, whether that's in junior church, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God, or whether that's, you know, full-on armor Christian soldiers or whatever, it's really, really fun. Well, it's not that much more abstract to say, well, I enjoy the the lore and, and, and the smells and the outfits. And like, if I wanted, if I didn't want that, what's the one that's one step down? Um, not Lutheran, Presbyterian? Presbyterian's kind of close to Catholic, right? But it's a little bit more like a shareware version of Catholicism. I can't, I've never, I've been to a Lutheran mass and I, I, My I, grandparents I can't, were Lutherans. I they can't have picture outfits. anything that's not Catholic. <laughs> my, 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 uh, my lady friend, one of my, one of my friends who's a lady in college, her dad was a Presbyterian minister. And like, we went out to dinner, he bought us dinner at the Chinese place. And like, he was like totally dressed in, uh, in, in civvies, you know? Uh, it was uh, very upsetting for me because I, I I think he because he it's impressive. Like seeing your teacher teacher in the supermarket. I hate it. I hate it so much when I see the guy from Walgreens walking around in the street. It's the same feeling that Capgrass delusion I had as a child of like, have they run out of extras? Who are these people? Why well, you're not supposed to be here? Remember the first time you ever saw your teacher at a grocery store? How weird it was. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Did I ever actually see any of my teachers out of school? I guess I must have at some point. I see people down at the coffee shop sometimes. I don't know. Again, I'm I'm really as much as I I can sound like I'm being a little silly. I have, uh, and you, you need not respond to this because I don't want you to upset anyone. I uh, I do <laughs> I do not see religion as universally a bad idea. I definitely don't see God and spirituality as as a bad idea. Any of that stuff, and I I respect that. You know, uh, again, to quote Equus, moments snap together like magnets. Who knows? I mean, if they say that everything skips a generation, there are people, you know, the Ned Flanders types in the world who end up the opposite of their hippie parents, vice versa. I think there's a lot for people who come around to Christianity. In my church, we would call it being born again. I don't think that's probably what they call it in Catholicism. But once you join up and, you know, you sign all the, the, the billion-year contracts and everything, it's a tremendous consolation. There's, there's a lot to it that's really nice. And it's only, you know, you don't have to get totally weird about exactly how long the ark is and would it actually float. And you know, like that bizarre museum in Kentucky, you know? You know about that? You know, there's like a, there's like a, like a Bible museum. I'm sure there is. There's several. I think there's one in Florida, too, of course. They could, they could make one every couple blocks in Florida, but it's like, there's no such thing as dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Jesus invented chimps last year. Mm-hmm. It's all here in this book. Exit through the gift shop. I, I, got no, I, got no, uh, I got no problem with that at all. And I actually do think it's really, really quite interesting, not least because I really enjoy things like Wicker Man. I really like weird, or, or, or it's wonderful parody, um, you know, Hot Fuzz. I'm very interested in like, the 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 varieties of religious experience. I think it's very interesting. Not a theologian, not Nanawe, but 
Yeah, so one of the things your uh, discussion made me think of and when I type this in here, right, is that every time I hear anyone talking about this thing, right, so what I've written in the notes here, I have the risen Christ, comma, Christ on a cross. And so the second... <laughs> The second part Christ is on a uh, cross. Exactly. It's, it's an <laughs> Jesus exclamation. Jesus Christ. I've never so known what the H stands for. So, so someone is in a movie and someone says, Christ on a cross, right? Or Christ I on think, a crutch, I, I would think allow. I think of my also. mother's uh, angry debate with the church people about the risen Christ. Christ oh my God, Christ that's on a cross. So, so it funny. Takes like, it's like a double meaning. It's like, <sighs> anyway. Do you know uh, what the H, what is the H Don't take the Jesus. Lord's name in vain, I guess. <laughs> uh, that's one of the commandments that's on the big stones. Um, what is the H in Jesus H Christ? And now if that was Darth, I think it would be Jesus Heckin Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Yeah. And then all the Bibles are different. And like, you know, I don't know. The last Bible I bought, title, what, the last Bible I bought was uh, by the Jesus Seminar. Are you, do you remember the work of the Jesus Seminar? Is that like the Jesus Lizard? Yes, it is. There's, there's the that's a Steve Albini produced them. Uh, hey, by the way, nice pull. How'd you do that? Did you have that on a card? I'm, you don't know. I don't. I don't. I could not have connected it to Steve Albini, but oh, uh, okay. I let you that's do right. that. He wants to be paid like a plumber. Here, here's here's the thing. Is that wait? What was I talking about? Uh, Jesus H Christ. Uh, you, you threw me off. What was I talking about? Because <laughs> I came up with the Jesus lizard. Oh yeah, Jesus lizard. Um, it'll come back to me. Uh, no, I had some kind of an important point. Jim, make me sound smart there. Um, what was your, we gotta, gotta move on. So stop, stop stalling. What, what was your household's stance on cusses? Did you have, was there a well-known policy to get anywhere you want? Like do what, you know, like never take the Lord's name in vain. You don't call your sister stupid. What was your household, if you remember, from the age when that stuff was important, like when you're from, like, say, 6 to 14? Do you remember what your household stance, what the edict on cusses was? I'm not sure where it came from, but my household for my whole life was that my no cursing. So none of the, none of the, what uh, about, what about, what about heck and dang? Yeah, no problem with those. It was just the George Carlin words. Okay. Um, and my parents didn't curse and we didn't curse in front of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was pretty much how it was and kind of still how it is. And it's kind of weird because my grandparents, I don't think of you as a cursing man. I feel like I've heard you curse fewer than five times. I've even in writing, I think I've only ever seen you use, you call them George Carlin words, but really any of those, you're very decorous in your writing. Uh, and I mean, like, again, I think I feel like I got out of my system in middle school because the reaction Mm -hmm. against that is if you are in an environment where you can't curse. Yeah, once you get to like, all over again. Yeah. yeah, once you get to seventh grade, it's it's all bets are off, and the only words seventh graders say are curse words, like for, for seventh, eighth, ninth grade. Right? I can't believe my kid held out as long as they did, because boy, I told you the school my kid was in before we moved schools. I heard mm-hmm. the n word more times while I whilst I was waiting for my child to walk out of the school. Mm-hmm. I heard the n word more times in that fifteen minutes than I've heard it in my entire adult life. Now, granted, that was mostly out of Ohio. But mm. so, you know, just to be fair. Yeah, but like, I'm not quite sure how the curse-free household held because I, like my my mother's uh, parents, my mother's father was a, a New York City police officer. And I am sure he cursed, <laughs> yes. he cursed like crazy raising them. So somehow sure. she came out of that environment being raised in that house and in her own household essentially established a de facto it's not like we you know we were told not to curse it was just like a thing you don't have Understood. to be told it's just nobody yeah. did it because if mm-hmm. your parents don't do it and you don't do it and it's just i don't know and so that's that's the way it always was and uh, mostly continues to be 
I should stop. Um, I should give it up for Lent. I don't even know when Easter is. I, I mean, keep changing I, like, it. again, I, I, you know, middle school came and I was just cursing like crazy with all my friends because that's what you do. Um, sure. And then I feel like I like grew out of it. Right. We tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess if I like, if I hurt myself for a bad, I curse. Mm, like, like, or okay. I'm, like when I'm, you dropped the weight on your toe, when you were pumping iron as a kid. Or if I'm super angry or yeah, I've, the, the the landscapers walked on my downspout and then I had to try and crushed it. <laughs> Is that a euphemism? No, I wish. And that I they crushed it and I had to like try to fix it and I scraped oh, my I scraped my hand on on the sharp like uh, aluminum edge of the downspout as I was trying to bend it back into shape. And I think I probably said a curse word when I sliced my hand open. It's now it's now Bressa, Fressa, Sango, Bressa. I um two things quick and then we're done. Um I first of all, I was informed by my mom, God, probably when I was in maybe high school or college, that apparently it just makes me so happy. My dad, who's always been portrayed by every single person who's ever known him as just being like the funniest, nicest, like saint of a man, decent Eagle Scout, great guy, apparently cursed like a gosh dang sailor until my mom made him stop when I was born. And it's that was so interesting to me because I tried really, really hard, even when our baby was dumb and didn't understand things. I tried so hard. No screens, no cursing. Um, and I I found that. I found that extremely difficult. Yeah, that is not in your nature. Stopping? Uh, cur- not cursing. <laughs> I don't curse that much, and I think I'm pretty effective at it. I use a I, lot of... Uh, I can't imagine you uh, comfortably maintaining a curse-free household. Oh, well, that's because you're a total piece of No, it's just not to say it. Like, it's not, wow, not in a okay. bad way. It's just you're very comfortable I with it. I don't know how the kid avoided it, but, like, and now, now, now it comes up especially when we're quoting things, because we're a big quoting house, as mm-hmm. you can probably guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if we're watching Peacemaker, <laughs> um, you know, because he'll do anything. He'll kill any number of men, women, and children he needs to, to maintain peace. Mm-hmm. He has an eagle named Eagly. Mm-hmm. You watching that? You watching Peacemaker? You watching it? I saw it. saw the whole series. Isn't it, isn't it a delight? It's all right. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by our very good friends over at Memberful. You can learn more about Memberful right now by visiting memberful.com slash diffs. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience, and it's used by the biggest creators on the web, including me. I'm huge. Hmm. Uh, You can generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. Now, you might have heard us talking about the Relay FM membership. Well, if you, have, if you haven't heard about the membership program at this point, what, what have you been doing? You can always go to relay.fm slash RD and join up. Well, you know what? When you go to, well, technically relay.fm slash RD slash join, because, you know, we like to have good earls, uh, you know, you can go and you join up, and that's memberful. We're using it, okay? But I also use memberful uh, as somebody who gives money to people. I'll talk more about that in a minute. I, I got to go in both ways, you know? Memberful makes it super easy to generate the extra revenue stream and to deliver bonus content to our members. We do it all the time. We do it every week. It happened literally today. Okay. It's happening right now. They make it so easy. Now, now here's the thing. They want me to talk about how I can diversify my streams, but I'm also here to tell you, I'm more than happy to utilize Memberful to give money to, as you like to say, uh, content creators out there on the web. I'm not going to name names, but let's just say I, I, uh, I, I tithe a lot of money to people. So I got to come in with Memberful. I got to go on out with Memberful. Who am I to complain? You know, but let's talk about you. Let's talk about something important. Maybe you're already producing content. Hmm? You're relying on advertising or other means of income. 
Memberful makes it easy to diversify that income with everything you need to run your own membership program. How cool is that? Includes custom branding, gift subscriptions, Apple Pay, free trials, private podcasts, and tons more, while leaving you with full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, your brand, and your membership. And you can now send, get this, paid email newsletters directly through Memberful without needing to connect to a third-party email provider. Pretty cool. You can even publish your paid newsletter content to a Memberful-hosted members-only website. Shh, members-only. There's no additional fee when you're signed up for Memberful's pro or premium plans. Plus, you'll save money compared to other popular hosted newsletter platforms. Also, they didn't tell me to say this, but the, the fewer tools that I can use to accomplish something I want, it, it makes me happy. So, so when something like Memberful comes along and makes it so easy to do all the stuff that you want to be doing with it, you know, you'd be a little bit goofy not to, not to go out and give it a spin. So listen, if you're a content creator, Memberful can help you to monetize that passion. And right now you can go and you can get started for free. All you have to do is go to memberful.com slash diffs. That's D-A-F-F-S. There's no credit card required. You can just go right there. Memberful.com slash diffs. Go there now. Check it out. It really helps the show. It, help, it helps that, uh, you know, that, um, well, you know, it helps John Syracuse, who doesn't really have a job anymore. Uh, and and so, you know, it, it helps in all kinds of ways if you visit there. I, I can't, really can't even get into it. I don't have time. But you've got to go to memberful.com slash diffs. Our thanks to Memberfuls for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. And we're back. Hey, um, so, God, we got to start rapping soon. Jeez. We still got to talk about your, your, your big week. Um... Oh yeah. Okay. Can we talk about this? Is, this is tech stuff. Is that all right? Yes. No. This is our. This is our wheelhouse. We talk about TV stuff. This is. This is uh, us. Well, I, I just tossed this in because. Uh, okay. So basically, I, I don't throw to you in a sec. But like this morning, I arrived at work, and I think I, I want to say that I wanted to pick back up on I don't know some some open source movie that I've got. But there was something I opened up Plex, and there was this big splashy announcement. Um, I guess we'll talk about this, but Plex, as of today, in my uh, Plexes, uh, has introduced some new features that I, I I can't keep it in my pants, John. I'm super excited about these. Why are we talking about it on your favorite program, Reconcilable Differences, with the independent uh, John Syracuse? Because this is really in our wheelhouse in terms of our two or three episodes ago where we talked about streaming apps me wanting a shelf to put things on, wanting a way to do all these kinds of things. Um, t- 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 tell me what you want to talk about. I'll talk about anything. I talked about this a lot on Back to Work today. Put in show notes. Um, I'm very excited about what they're doing here. And I'm I'm very pleased with the way that these new features elevate, may elevate at least a little bit of the reputation of Plex for being what it is. And unless it gets cocked up by a bunch of dumb networks and Netflixes. Um, the new functionality is great. Have you had a chance to look at what they've done? So I, I started by reading the press release that a lot of people send me, and I think you tweeted about as well. And mm-hmm. I I confessed that I had to make several runs at trying to read it to understand, okay, what are, what are you doing? What is this? Like, cause I have, described I, it on Back to Work because I tried to gather my thoughts because I knew I'd just be spewing all over the place. Is that if I had to summarize it, so this includes things like um, a, a really interesting, better than you'd expect, Discover tab. We can talk about that. Also, new search functionality that's pretty wow. The big one is that, to me, this all feeds into something I've craved forever, which is just a watch list. You've had a queue that you could you could add stuff as long as you weren't on Apple TV. 
But the idea is they've created a like a dedicated area like at the top where you can put movies or TV or home videos or whatever it is you want on like a on a freaking shelf. And then there's other things like the Discover tab and like the search feed into that. The way I said it's Dan and our listeners was I feel like Plex has taken a big step toward going beyond the model of libraries and into the idea of like bringing the world outside of Plex into Plex. So like, for example, when I showed somebody a screen grab of uh, Severance and they said, oh man, that show's so good. You should just get Apple TV Plus. I'm like, dude, I don't have any Severance on my Plexes anywhere. What I do now have is the ability to click on a button inside of Severance season one and it just opens Apple TV and you're watching the show. You search for Little Miss Sunshine. It says, yeah, it's available on Hulu. You like that? Click here. So, I mean, that's, I tried to summarize just as saying, like, if you're used to Plex just being a thing where you have your libraries, your friends have their libraries, and there's all the BS they shovel in besides that, like ad supported movies, I think it's a big step forward in usability and pretty ambitious and, and I thought very well done. Yeah. So, the advantage Plex has is two things. One, it's a techie kind of thing. So, if you're looking for something with features and options, it's not afraid to be configurable and flexible. Plex helps there. And two, it's not, well, I was going to say it's not associated with any streaming service, but doesn't Plex have its own weird streaming they, they thing? They do. There? And they and they used to have a, I mean, this is still kind of sort of barely technically there, but they used to allow plugins where there were things like they made, they used to be very easy to say, I want a metadata agent <clears throat> for looking up anime or anime. Yes. Not manga, anime. Or like I have all this porn on here. Can I get a, um, an agent for looking up porn? Um, and then there's stuff like the MAME emulator and there's all this stuff, but I no, I agree with you. It's been pretty agnostic of that, but you have to imagine that they are probably a little bit concerned about their long run reputation. If it's known mainly as a quote unquote pirate movie machine. Yeah, but it tries to be able to do lots of different things. And this, the yeah, it one is for feature... Ner- it is for nerds. There's a lot of, I said today on the show, you're not going to have this thing up in three minutes. Not because it's difficult to use, but just because it does so many different things. You just got to make sure stuff is named a certain way, et cetera, et cetera, before you even get into all the back of the truck apps. But yeah, fair. Go ahead. Yeah, so the, the thing, the new things that it do, I'm going to set aside the Discover thing because I don't really use the type of thing, but like the the, the watch list, Uh, a place where you can keep track of things that you are either currently in the process of watching or might want to watch later. Yep. Um, Because Plex is, you know, began its life as a thing that is not tied to any particular service. And because somehow they have found a way to get access to all the information about all the other services. uh, And because also Plex does both movies and television, Mm -hmm. you can make a watch list in Plex that is, that includes basically everything like that. If, you know, if it exists, it probably Plex probably knows about it because they're already they already do a good job of having various metadata services of saying, hey, you've got a movie. Let's find which movie that is. Or you've got a TV show. Let's find which TV show it is. And it's nerd type databases where people are obsessively working on like TV series. And Plex understands how the seasons are arranged and when they came out and what the specials are and where those go in the chronology. And they have the data model kind of down. Right. And they've mm-hmm. just expanded that to be like, okay, and also there's a bunch of stuff on streaming services now. What is Severance? Oh, it's a television show, uh, and it's on Apple TV+, Plus, and we know that it's on Apple TV+, Plus, and we know what Apple TV+, Plus is, and in fact, we can we have the ability, if you're running the Plex app on a platform that also supports Apple TV, we can just launch Apple TV+, Plus 
if we know that you have it and go mm -hmm. right to severance, which is not part of your Plex library, but Plex knows about the thing and it also knows about Apple TV Plus, right? So yeah. it lets you in theory have one watch list that's synced with the Plex cloud thing or whatever. So every place where the Plex app works and it works basically everywhere. That's part of what makes this special is that we, we talked about this, I feel like in our streaming extravaganza, which is at least I was saying that like it's frustrating to me when there's certain, I understand why this is. Like there's some functionalities you're really only gonna get if you're on a computer using Plex. There's other kinds of things. It's just weird. There, there are features that are available or not available in lots of places. Um, but, but, but the frustrating part is it, a lot of the stuff like even queuing, a queue, you can't necessarily add to a queue from every device. And in fact, I don't think queue has even been available on every device. Whatever you put in your watch list, and that could be cat videos, it could be my uh, uh, 4K77 of Star Wars, whatever it is, you throw anything you want in there, Star Wars, Star Trek TV, Star Trek movies, like put it all in there and then that's synced with all your devices. And then there's even, of course, because it's Plex, ability to sort. Like in this case, I'm looking at here sorted by critic rating, by date added, by... So you can basically see like what's been updated. It's And it goes with you everywhere. Yeah, so I played with this a little bit before the show to try to get a feel for the features and what they do. And while the concept makes sense, um, and is attractive, uh, you know, to have uh, television movies all in one place and to be service agnostic and to be able to also include things like you said, like 4K77, like special weird versions of Star Wars that you have in your library combined with a new TV show and a streaming service combined mm -hmm. with a TV show and a network service combined with a regular theatrical release movie. Like having that all on one list is attractive. But here's where sort of the rubber meets the road for me. I've spent I, you know, I did a blog post about this a while back about uh the application that I use to keep track of my television shows mm -hmm. and how I wasn't happy with exactly how it sorted things. And, and that's, I've, that's, are you using tracked? Um, not the application tracked. I'm, uh, I've used a series of applications. I used to use, what was it called? Couchy or something. And then it, uh, that got discontinued and I went through like every other app on the app store and just basically bought them all and tried them all. This mm -hmm. is where it, it gets down to sort of, you know, the, the difficulty I'm having. It's like, the features that you can list, it does all these things are one thing, but it's like, how does it do them? And the way Plex does them is not exactly the way I would like to do them. And also the UI is a little bit laggy and janky, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, but yeah, but then, but they have everything in one place. Why would you want to have separate things? Well, the problem for me personally is that I already have two different apps that I use. I use Letterboxd for, look at, I said it the right way. Um, no, it's actually, letterboxed. No, the wrong it's way, letterboxed. I thought uh, I try, I told my mouth to say it the right way, and it betrayed me. Anyway, and you know what? Because I knew I understood what you were saying, so I never correct you, but I will giggle. Yeah, you make anyway. it you make it sound like a daemon. I know. I like to say letterboxd. Anyway, not, not that's Damon. what I use for movies, and mm -hmm. then I use this app called Television Time, not TV Time, but Television mm -hmm. Time. I will try. TV is a nickname, and uh, nicknames yeah. are for friends, and uh, TV is no friend of mine. Uh, and. Even that doesn't quite do what I want, but I have a couple of weird things that I do to make it work the way I want. Um, and so you mentioned Tracked. Tracked is a website and API and that, API, yeah. that lets you keep track of. It does. Tracked actually supports movies and TV, but I only use it for television. And, and it, just like say like, okay, you're partway through this episode. That's yeah, your, it, it, whereas it's just like, TV time, you have to do that manually, I think. Well, yeah. So it, there are lots of tracked clients like they use that as the back end yes, like this yes. tracked has the metadata track keeps track of what you've seen and what you haven't and then there are a bunch of it's apps that like are the way I remember the milk was for 
task management where like, yeah, there's a website for it, but really it's the API that's powerful because you can right. build and, or adapt this any way you want and track, track. I think there's a, is it a plugin that you get for Plex? There's something that you get to make it work with. Well, Plex. that's what I was going to say. Like, I feel like my, uh, you know, I have these two separate apps and very often I say, why am I using two separate apps? Like mm-hmm. Tract supports movies and TV shows, but I like Letterboxd. I like the website. I like the app and I like that it's just movies. Although occasionally you can also do TV, like limited run TV shows I there. Like, so it's kind of I, I go, I go just because it's so rare, John. I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. I only follow a few people and I think they're all dudes. But like, I, I like to know what David Sims, uh, Dan McCoy, Jamel Bowie, like there's people whose opinions I, I trust and usually like. And I like to know, you know, what they think. I think I think Dan scored uh, Deep Water a, a, a little bit too high. I would not call that. <laughs> Three and a half stars is, I think, what you gave to Predestination. So I'm not loving that. Did I, write it? Did I rank it that high? I don't think that's... Oh, that's... my God. We Go are broken up, up for up. 10 minutes. Yeah. Do you understand what's happening in that movie? Do you understand the I levels? Understand. It's based on a story called All You Zombies. Are you aware it's all, of that? It's, a, it's the prequel to Shiv Roy's life. I know. It's Shiv. It's Shiv. It's, it's Shiv. And it's, you know, the other guy. She, she's the, calling the, the... What do they call her? The, uh, the lone mother? The lone gunman? What's she called? Smoking man? And so you do that for for tracking. Now, somebody asked about this on Twitter. Uh, it's my understanding that really mostly, I mean, this I think this is clever. I'll throw back to your complaining in a second. But yeah, you can click on that severance. On severance, you can click and it'll open that in Apple TV, which is really all I need from it. But uh, I, it, it, to my knowledge, it does not track what you've seen once you leave there. Uh, and it's kind of not really for that. And it doesn't doesn't sync with tracks. T R A. What we're trying to say is T R A K T dot TV is the name of the website that that supports this back end, and lots of things sync with it. But I don't think Plex does. So my my first problem is, hey, I wanted to use Plex mm-hmm. and I thought it was awesome. I'm not going to like manually transcribe the bazillion things that I have marked as watched and the time that I watched them and their ratings and everything from you Letterboxd. Love your metadata. And, don't take that away from John. Don't touch. Yeah, his like metadata. I have no way. I you know. I can't manually recreate that and there's no way for it to sync. So I'm never going to Plex for the first reason. The second reason, like I said, I'm very sensitive to the interface, which is why I've purchased literally every single track client on on the iOS app store to try to find one that I can tolerate. I've thought of writing one a couple of times, but it's like, look, no one cares. There's a million of these clients and none of them are, you know, exceedingly popular, mostly because everybody has some weird way they want to do it. And so with television time, I've been able to come up with a, kind of reasonable way for me to do things it's a little bit painful but like it involves me lying and saying that i've seen the first episode of a show to manually force it to be sorted to the top of the list so i don't forget it exists even though i haven't actually watched the <laughs> I first so episode much stuff like that in my life <laughs> and, and it's just you like your name like marker talked this about this with overcast where you name things with mm-hmm. like weird characters or numbers to make it come to the top and then you have to remember did i really watch the first episode of this or is that one of those cases where i just t- made it think i watched the first episode to force the sorting because they look the same in the app and you can't tell which is which until you start episode two and realize you don't know what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, so I can't really get off of my two apps. I like my two app approach. Litterboxd does not sort with track, and, you know, sync with track. It is its own thing, right? But I like that website for what it is. And I like uh, tracked for the data model. And I like television time for the app that I'm currently wrangling. But I do like that Plex is trying to do this. But Plex has the same problem all of these type of services have, which is that other things don't want Plex to succeed in doing what it's doing. Like, not that they're going to actively oh, try no, to I, kill I it. I totally agree. Like, there's going to be, at, at best, a kind of um, probably s- scornful look 
and you know, well, they're certainly not going to do anything to help. They're certainly not going to be like, oh, let me help you out, Plex. Let me let me make your life it's easier. It's funny Plex. you should say that because I mean, uh, the thing that's so interesting about Netflix is trying to, of course, my family. Who cares? They don't care. But like I was saying, like it's really frustrating that you know the the series soup includes so many different things. And do, do we know specifically whether it's Apple or Netflix? The it's Netflix who says Netflix. we don't want to be in yeah. we don't want to be in the series soup. Okay, mm-hmm. but that that is still you know that's pretty frustrating uh, that that's not there. But like I said, what's interesting about that? I think I said specifically. I think what I said was Netflix would put their Netflix would put their app on every gas pump if they could. They want to be everywhere. You know what I mean? Like they 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 like Dropbox. I've heard people say, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I've heard people say one reason for the early success of Dropbox, apart from fooling Steve Jobs twice, was that they gave you um, a chunk of funk that you could just drop in like to your app to make it easy to integrate with Dropbox that they gave you, um, I guess, guess an SDK, but a very mature SDK where it was very easy to just hook up a few cables and you were using Dropbox. I feel like Netflix has been like that over the last five or 10 years where they want their app, they want it running on everything. So it is, is it ironic? Is it weird? It's, I guess they just, they want Netflix to be its own, what is it Letterman used to say? CBS, the Tiffany network. They want to be special and not inside the soup and not one of these six options for where you could watch, you know, this particular. Yeah, they want to be, they want to be the top level. They don't want something over them. But, yeah, but as Julia and Jason talk about all the time on uh, Downstream, that really, that becomes a problem because unless you, unless you are the sort of person who goes to Netflix on a really regular basis, you may not check in on it as much because first of all, once you're in there, let's be honest, it's a little bit of a soup of its own to figure out where anything is. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, it's frustrating if you, it becomes the thing is it's off the beaten trail. It's like there's a food court at the mall and then there's this one, you know, Annie's Annie's pretzels that's like behind the old Sears. But, but it's not Annie's pretzels, it's Walmart. Like that's the thing. That's true. Netflix, Netflix yeah. thinks it's Walmart, right? Yeah, that, that, that's true. Yeah, that, yep, yeah yep. we are our own separate world and we're separate from the food court, but we are giant. We were here first. And to some people, we are still, it's like, you know, Nintendo used to be, oh, the kids are playing their Nintendo. I'm watching my Netflix. It is the placeholder for streaming. Before there were a million streaming services, there was Netflix. And so they're, they've got that sort of first mover mindshare advantage for a while that they're basically coasting on, hoping can carry them to continued dominance. But uh, with every passing day, there's a new generation of people born who are not going to think of Netflix as Netflix, but they'll think it is just a sibling to Disney Plus or whatever. Yeah, they, they might think of it as like expensive Hulu. Yeah, yeah. Weird, weird I just red you, Hulu. I just, sent you, I just sent you a link. You've probably already done this, but if you're, you're probably a VIP also on track. Um, but there's the Plex Scrobbler. Did you have you seen this? It uh, involves a web hook. Oh, and I'm not still a VIP. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a patron on Letterboxd, but I'm not Me a too. VIP on... Oh, that's interesting, because I'm a patron on Letterboxd. Um, this, uh, uh, uh. Um, so there used to be, like, like to this day, like I don't know if you are able to do this where you are right now, but you go to Plex, yeah. go, go to the wrench, and you go all the way down to plugins. <laughs> it's kind of sad that I know exactly what you meant when you said a Plex uh, scrobbler, right? Yeah. How many yeah. other people, again, people born every day, who don't know what the hell I, what, what is that? There used is. to be an app. I mean, because I associate that with Audi, Audio Boom. No. What was the one that used to, it yeah, was the same idea, the, but it was all for what you were listening yep, to. Yeah, that's where I learned this term from. I Maybe think that may have been where I was right? I don't, I don't. Yeah, yeah it was so, really cool. And you could, you could have, you could like, um, you know, pipe that into your AIM message and stuff like that. 
Yeah. So I mean, my recollection is there was some app that, that had this Scrobbler feature, which is basically like whatever music you play. Hey, you're on your Mac. <laughs> Someone's and you're yelling using... right now. I'm just going to drive yeah. me crazy. What is it? Yeah. You're, you're using iTunes, whatever, whatever you're using to play music. Yeah. Uh, this thing would keep track of what you are playing. Even last, that, you last know, it FM? wasn't probably last FM. Maybe no, I've never used Last FM. I don't remember, but anyway, it, whatever you played it in, this thing would keep track. Because the problem was, like, I don't want to play all my music through App X, but I do want somebody to keep track of what I played either, so I can use it as my aim message. Spotify bends over backwards every January or whatever to show you all of your trends. Well, this did that. It would show you. It was neat though, because like that sounds silly, but back in the day, I thought it was kind of cool. It could. I, I used it for Live Journal. My I made a. I added an area called Now Playing. And uh, I think it was probably last FM that I used anyway, and I'll put it in notes. Uh, yeah, but that could sh- insert whatever your latest thing you listened to was. But then you could also, you, it, was, it was searchable and glanceable, and you could see all of your stuff and learn what bands you liked a lot, you know, before the iTunes days. Last.fm. Yeah, there you go. You got it, I think. Uh, using a music recommender system called Autoscrobbler. builds a detailed Scrabbler. profile of each user's musical taste by recording the details of the track the users listen to, either from internet radio stations or from the computer's many portable music devices, right? So this it, it wanted to see what you were listening to, even if you weren't listening to it using their specific application. It was a scrobbler. Um, and right. so this, when you said I mean, it's almost Auto like you could almost think of it like, this sounds dumb, but you could almost think of like whatever website hosting you're doing, whether you're doing it yourself or it's on you know, blogger or whatever, you could drop in this little bit of JavaScript and then SiteMeter would give you a usually incredibly incorrect count of who had visited your site, including you. Um, but but anyway, SiteMeter is similar, right? Where it's like whatever service you have, you plug this thing in. And, you know, really honestly, oh, shoot, I don't know if they're a sponsor this week, but, you know, maybe sort of like, um, I mean, there there are, we've had sponsors in the past that want to help iOS developers by providing an SDK for doing bug tracking and issues and stuff like that. Similar idea. Like we'll come to where you are and then we'll compile, we'll watch and compile all of that stuff. You know, you can look at at your repose. Yeah. This is something people might not know hearing us listen to this. If you're just like, I just watch Netflix. I don't know what the hell they're talking about, but like it is barbaric. It's an accepted form of barbarism in this whole multi-streaming service thing is that we just talked about, you know, uh, using, tracked or an app that it fronts tracked or letterboxd or your plex watch list to keep track of all the different things you're watching or whatever in all cases for the most part because the world is so fragmented what happens is i will watch an episode of severance then mm-hmm. i have to go to an application and manually mark off with my meat fingers okay <laughs> i just watch episode five and you're like didn't it's, you it's, do bar- this? it's barbaric. It's yeah, truly didn't barbaric. Didn't this all happen on the same, literally the same device? Like you watched it on your iPad and now you're going to manually go to another app on the same iPad and tell it that you just watched the thing that you just watched? Why doesn't it know you just watched the thing? Yes. In it's a like much all, your, better all world, your output, all your output as a programmer, like you have to like write it on an index card. Right. It's like, it's good. This is what's your phrase? What's your famous phrase? Computers can do that. <laughs> Yeah, computers can do things. Yeah, yes, that's and, it. And and the and the reasons are not technical; they're one hundred percent political. It's because there is no, you know, no one wants no one wants to let anyone else be the top level thing, right? In theory, if you had some top level interface to all the world of video, it would know everything that you watch, and it could in turn mark off on your little watch list. Yep, you know, you wouldn't have to do anything; you would just watch episode five of Severance, and the act of watching it would mark it off on your big watch list. But nobody wants to allow that because nobody wants to allow anything to be the top level thing that keeps track of everything so everyone's like well 
Apple TV Plus, in theory, knows mm-hmm. that you watch episode five of Severance, but they're not telling a soul. Like, they're not syncing it with anybody. They're not exposing it in any kind of way. Just between you and me. And that's the Scrobbler service. The Scrobbler service is like, look, if you use this Plex Scrobbler and you launch it, Severance Episode 5 from Plex, somehow we'll try to connect the dots and keep track of what you watch. But at this point, like, I can, I'm just trying to get a system where I manually do it that makes sense. The, the, you know, the promise of, wow, imagine if you had a computer that could keep track of what you actually watched and then mark it off in your watch list. What a miracle of technology that would be. It's so barbaric, but it's entirely a, a relic of the, not a relic, a result of the, the proliferation of streaming services and how they're all very competitive with each other. Everybody everybody wants, yeah, exactly. Everybody wants, not just they they do. Everybody wants to rule the world. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Shout, shout, let it all out. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they they, they want to, I mean, you, something that comes up a lot on ATP, something they were talking about uh, well, today as I listened to it, I guess yesterday on Upgrade, you know, <laughs> Apple moving into this financial services stuff, it's like, it really is true that they would like to own every single part of the stack. And personally, as a fancy duchess, when it comes to creating things, I'm the same way. I went off on Gawker Media when they started scraping my site to put it on Lifehacker. No, I did not consider it an honor. Just because it's free, as in beer doesn't mean it's free as in you just go use it on your dumb site. I don't think that the Stallman said that, I think. They want to own the experience. They want to own the data. They want to capture all of that stuff and they don't want it going anywhere. But but I, with that said, I am very happy when, I know you're not a giant fan of the Apple TV, Apple TV, Apple TV Plus experience, but I'm totally gay bones for Peacock right now for about a million reasons. There's so much stuff I'm enjoying in Peacock. Just like I said last time, I think just that resume or start over button makes me so happy. But um, I think it's cool when anything will show up in Apple TV, the app in the up next row. I know it's not ideal, but like I would love to get to the point where I'm confident feeling like everything except for this is in there. And it's weird, like sometimes it keeps putting John Oliver in there. And I'm like, no, I don't. That's a pussy hat show. I don't watch that. But that's fine. Like that shows up in there. But I went through this recently. It's frustrating when you're trying to find something. So I knew I'd watched just a little bit of Downton Abbey a million years ago. And then I blazed through the Gilded Age, five episodes in one night. Like basically over three days, I watched it. I loved it. I have to say Downton Abbey is considerably better than the Gilded Age. You should go back. That's absolutely not accurate. Season two, season totally two, accurate. season two of Downton Abbey is extremely upsetting. I like season one. I just want to show about Sybil. I just want Sybil to be happy in life. But so I went back and, oh, you know, who I really want is uh, Mr. What's-His-Head, you know? Mr. Bates? The, the, oh. I love Mr. I don't Bates. want to spoil anything for you, so I'm not going to make snide comments. Well, oh no. Well, I'm at a point, is it Anna? Is that the pretty maid girl, mm-hmm. Anna? I'm at a, yeah, okay. So anyway. But, okay, so I'm watching that on HBO Max. Oh, did I, did I mention this to you, that it was only this month that I realized what HBO Max means? Did I tell you that? What does it mean? Is it HBO Maximilian? Yes, at Maximilian Shell. Oh, well, no, like, you know, like, like uh, what's our famous one? Oh, Beatles. Beatles is your famous one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My famous one, uh, I have a lot of these. One of those, so John didn't realize that the word beat in Beatles is because they're a rock band. I did not realize that when when the, when the when the singer said uh, if i said you had a beautiful body would you hold it against me mm-hmm. i only mm-hmm. got the single entendre mm-hmm. i didn't get the full i didn't get the full experience of that um but uh it's because it's hbo and cinemax is it 
I have well, no idea. I, I watch a butt ton of stuff on there. Like other two, I think is Cinemax Minx that I'm watching. I which is okay, but okay. Minx, I think, is Cinemax. There's a lot of Max in that HBO. Is that is that a true thing, or is that just your guess based on the name? It's my guess based on the name. All right. Well, I just always assume. You it think it's like, like maximum? It's like it's max just boot. the same as plus. You put a plus on the end because it's better than the regular. They put a max because it's like HBO, but to the max, to the maximum. I, I sent. I, I did. I did a thing today. I sent a tweet to to people on a podcast I like. I sent a tweet to um, Jason and Julia because I'm like, you know what? I should. They, they keep talking about CNN Plus. I should go watch CNN Plus because I watch CNN. I love Wolf Blitzer, and I love the way that he repeats repeats something for emphasis. Really, a very important book coming out this week. Um, I and I went and I did a search on CNN Plus, which I spelled as letter C, letter N, letter N plus, mm. no spaces, and <laughs> it corrected it. I'll send this to you. It corrected it and says, you try it, see what happens. Maybe you get something different. But it said, Oh, did you mean CNN? That's you know, cable news network, and you can go watch that. And I was like, Oh, you. And then I just searched for CNN Plus. I did CNN space P L U S. And what it said was CNN Plus was a Spanish language version of CNN. And so I sent this to them and I was like, we may have reached peak plus at this point. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you can't get a result on a brand new se- streaming service from CNN, if it can't find that on Google, not great, Bob. It's bad SEO. Don't use the plus because that, you know, that's a special character and not treated as parts of words and also is a substitute for a space in URLs, uh, the query string in the query string of URLs. If I want to see Carly Seuss, um, who for whom my, my kid is a, a big stan, if I want to watch CNN 10, I could do CNN and then like eight, what was it? Eight dot dot 11. And that would find everything in between eight and 11. Do you remember that operator? It was a good operator. Yeah, vaguely two or three uh, dots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if it even works anymore. Well, you know, uh, so so you don't hate it, but it doesn't solve any bit. We're talking about Plex here. I'm, th- I'm thoroughly entrenched in my systems and their apps would have to get a lot better. Like I feel like that, that is the upside of this system where everything is manual and everything is that at the very least there are, because there are so many competing little kingdoms and everything, there there is the opportunity for me to be able to try 27 different tracked front ends right because tracked is a flexible back end and you can try lots of different front ends to it and so that allows me to find one that i find the least objectionable whereas if there was a unified service that did everything what if i didn't like it i wouldn't be able to say well i don't like that front end i'm going to try a different app and there wouldn't be one so pluses and minuses but yeah my manual systems i'm sticking with may i ask you a provocative question mm-hmm. what prob I don't mean this to sound mean, but why do you do this? What problem are you solving? Are you really not clear about what episode of like Lost you're on? Like, oh what? yeah, no, totally. Like I, because I am interested really? in lots of TV you, shows. If it's in the doc, you can watch it. I would, I would never remember all the shows that I had a passing interest in if I didn't like write them down somewhere. But of course, I'm not going to write them down. There's apps that are already you know know about yes. them. I just have to find them, and I would not remember where I was. How long am I? When does episodes come out? Because I have no idea what the TV schedule is. I've been using TiVo since <laughs> 2000 and whatever. I have come like, to really respect how little you trust your mind. I'm, I, I just, mean, I'm, I'm really not kidding. Is, I, I sound like Casey, but like the fact that you're so you, and certainly you doubt everyone around you. You've made me a very broken man. You did that. But I kind of <laughs> love the fact that you really don't trust your brain. I mean, this is not a trust thing. This is a prove through history. Okay. If I don't do this, I will oh. forget. And it's so much so that that's why I do the sorting thing. Cause my list is so long of shows that I might be interested in. If I add something to that list and it sorts to the bottom, I'm never going to see it. Cause I'd have to be like scrolling, scrolling, oh, scrolling I see. First in, first and first like hoping out. it catches yeah. my eye. 
What I wanted to do is like for the handful of five or six shows that I think I'm going to watch in the next month or so, I want them to be near the top. Um, yeah, same thing. And same thing with movies. Oh, that's a movie I might want to watch. I would never remember that. And some people used to write it down. Here are the movies I'm interested in watching. Well, guess what? Letterboxd has a watch list. It's really easy to add something to the watch list. And there you go. I just had an interesting idea. This is not really a suggestion. But I can't help but say it. I wonder how difficult it would be for you to make the thing you want as a project. I, I talked about that. I said I, it occurred to me that, you know, you should just I'm make saying, the, you got, well, the you, you're you at liberty now. There's nothing to say. You can't fire up your X code and, and Swiftify what you're trying to do here, though. I guess the most difficult you could you could run this off of. Um, what's the Google one? You know, the uh, the the, the but they, you don't do Python, but you could there's probably different places where you could hang I mean, this. Yeah, I, I could make a tracked client for iOS or something, but the, I already dismissed this idea mostly because it's actually a fairly complicated application. And nobody like as evidenced by the tons of tracked clients that are on there. Nobody wants that. Like there are too many different varieties of apps that are out there. None of them mm. are particularly dominant. And it's because everybody has so their own the API, personal. It's the apps. Is that yeah, correct? Everyone has their own personal idea of how they want it to work. And mm-hmm. there's no clear sort of standard. And the only way to satisfy everyone is to make an app that's infinitely flexible. And then that becomes too complicated for regular people to use. So, But it's editorial, as Tim Gunn would say. Like, you, you could make the one that works for you. And right, but then that, that would only benefit me. I would never mm. make any money off of it. It's not, it wouldn't be commercially viable. And it's not something that I would want to support. All so, right. Okay. Although I have to say, I did recently, someone did an open source app uh, that let you do uh it was remember uh labels and you remember this in in, uh in system seven when you uh set a label on a folder the folder would be tinted with the color of that label do you remember that the folder icon Mm -hmm. i i also remember when a folder would reflect the date of the most recently updated child item and i really miss that yeah yeah um anyway i I, I know what you're talking about system seven was that was it was a that was a baller update. That was also uh, published and subscribe, right? Yep, the same the same label system we have now with a very small set of colors and a few bits in the file. I like info. orange. I use orange. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know when you would when you would label a folder in icon view, the folder itself would turn orange. And someone missed that feature from Mac OS ten or Mac OS, whatever the hell we call it now. Because when you label a folder now, it stays a teal folder no matter what. If you look at it in list view, it will have a little dot. Well, it's like you made a label. If you think of it as an actual label, it would be like you made a label that says decaffeinated coffee, but but you can't put it on the actual coffee. Like it's somewhere else to go like, oh, you know, near here. But like when you see like an orange circle, it's like, oh, come on, you're not even trying. Yeah. So, the, but you can do custom icons in macOS. Like if you do the get info window, you can paste a custom icon in there. So someone made a little application that comes with like, First, they took the folder icon and they made colorized versions of it. Then they shoved them in their little application. Now you can right right click. It's a finder extension. You can right click. (gasps) And what it will do is say, basically, you know, what color do you want this folder to be? And what it will actually do is change the icon of the folder to the built-in red tinted one. Obviously, this will break when the next version of macOS comes out and the folders look different because the folder that it's changing your icon to is a colorized version of the Monterey folders. And if, okay. The, oh, so it's, it's, it's happening at a too high a level to sustain. Yeah, it, it's just literally replacing the icon with right. a custom icon. Yeah, like that you say, like a copy and paste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So this, and they did it as open source and it's a finder extension. You know, you go into system preferences, extensions, you know, finder extensions, you can enable them and disable them. Right. Anyway, because you can extend the finder with behavior like this. It basically lets you make a custom. Did you write menu. those preferences to a P list somewhere? which preferences but can you can you stick something in library preferences that would remember 
this folder um, should be orange, and then that. Oh would, no! But that you don't have to remember it. It's just pasting the. I'm just it's saying like, to have it persist beyond system updates. It would persist, but it wouldn't match the look of the folders. So like when it's like, what is what you're pasting okay. on is a little is a little graphic. Right. I sent you that photo right. of uh, uh, OS of a, whatever it's called nine. I sent you that picture of nine I took the other day. Like, yeah, the folders used to look real different. That was a very 3D trash can. Right, and so when they change how the folders look, you will have a pasted version of like the the, the custom icon looks like the old folders because it's just it. an I image; it. it has no idea of it. Anyway, um, but they did it as open source, and I'm like, this solves a problem that I have personally that I have never, you know, that that I've always wanted to fix myself but didn't know how. So first, I looked at the source. I'm like, oh, it's not too complicated. I could probably make something like this. But then I said, but I don't need to make my own app. Why don't I just grab this source code? I just clone the repo and get. And why don't I just customize this code to do what I want and just compile it and use it locally? So I did. And the, ta- the task that I have this for, I think I've mentioned this to you before, but um, I use BB Edit. It's my favorite text editor. Yeah. Only I have never liked the icon ever since they have twisted it. It used to be vertical and now it's at a jaunty angle. Actually, they switched it back to go straight again, and but it's still kind of rounded and weird and looks like the Monterey type or the Big Sur type icons or whatever. So every time I do a BB Edit update, every time I update the application, which is frequent because I'm often on the BB Edit beta, mm-hmm. I repaste on a custom icon that looks like the BB Edit icon the way I want it to be. Just, you know, finder, select, get info. I copy the icon from like an icon file or an image and I paste it over it, right? Since all that applic- that finder extension does with the folder colors is all it does is essentially take a bunch of images and stick them as the custom icon. I just added BB Edit to the list. So now I can right click an icon Go oh, to an cool. icon submenu, and I can make any. I can change the icon of anything to be my BB Edit icon. So now, rather than having to go get the icon, copy it, get info, paste, I can just right click on BB Edit after it updates, Dang. and then select from an icon submenu and say, "You get the good icon now." Huh? Love it. Huh. Love it. No commercial viability of that whatsoever. This is a well, freeware open you know, source application. You know, for I didn't write this application. Someone else, someone else wrote it. I got to find the link to it. I think it's called Manila. Yeah, put but it I notes. was just so happy that I had the source code to it and I could just change it in this tiny way and I'm just going to run this locally forever. I have a new computer and uh, because I'm talking to you just now, I, I, I gave my uh, hard drive a name. So you'd be proud of me. Is it, Did you name it Buttons? I thought I saw that in your list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Mr. Buttons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really thought, like, I just started watching wow, our flag good. beans. Where did just, you see that? Where did you, you see that? You sent me a screenshot. I, I started oh. watching our flag beans death, so I figured that's what that's a reference stick, to, Please right? stick with it. Please stick with it. It's not what it seems. Yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm watching. Anyway, um, I, I mentioned Black Flags just because it's a pirate's thing. It's not the same tone, but it's actually a good show. You might want to check it out. But anyway, um, when I first saw it, you know what I wait, thought black, it was? Black, wait, sorry, you're speaking to me, not the listener? Black Flags? Yeah, I told I told it to you. Yeah, Black Flags. It's a pirate show. It's not like our flag means death. It's not a comedy. But it is a, a surprisingly fun sort of pulpy pirate thing. All right, cool. Anyway, cool, cool. when I first saw Buttons as your thing, before I had seen Black Flags, you know what I thought it was a reference to? No, I don't. Yes, you do. Buttons, a clown. Oh, is that Mary Tyler Moore? No. Buttons. No, I'm thinking of the clown from Buttons, the clown. A clown. Buttons, a clown. A clown named Buttons. Oh, wait, is it um Seinfeld? Is it the cl- is it is it the John Favreau clown that had never heard of Bozo? It's the the greatest show on earth, nineteen fifty two. Buttons, a clown. Oh, I I didn't listen to that episode. I still listened to Frankenstein Island. All right. Well, anyway, that that explains Buttons. why it's not the rest of that. But yeah, Miss, you Buttons. know, Mr. But Mr. Buttons, uh, that guy, the, that guy's from Train Spotting. Did you know that? And Buttons, you know, Mr. Buttons and his bird Carl. I do not know. Have him. you met his bird? His bird. 
Here's a bird. It has a single name, Carl. That guy was in train spotting. And, and I think he's doing, it's like they said, so he is totally from Glasgow, as you would know if, if you've seen. He plays Spud, I want to say, but he's the goggle-eyed guy who's like real hopped up. He, um, I think, he's, I think they, they, they asked him to do a James Bond voice. He sounds very much like Sean Connery. A Glasgow accent. So so specific, not a Scottish Gla- accent. Glaswegian, yeah. There you go. Hey, I, hey, John, we, can you do me a favor? Let's get out of here. Now you have to ring the bell, right?